Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Gather is a powerful portrait of indigenous Americans reclaiming sovereignty over their decimated ancestral food systems while battling against the historical trauma brought on by centuries of genocide. The early American economy was solely based on extracting money from the land. This nascent economy needed labor, but it mainly needed land. Stolen native land fueled American capitalism while slavery drove the economy. Native bodies were impediments because they were on occupied land the American economy needed. Thus, the genocide and the death of thousands and thousands of Native and Indigenous people. The film is called Gather. It's about more than that. It's about this this return to the soil, return to nature uh, movement that's taking place among Indigenous Native American people, and it's a wonderful film, and it gets into the sort of the granular level of how this is taking place, and we're joined today by the director of Gather, and that would be Sanjay Rowal. Sanjay, welcome to Film School Radio. Mike, thanks so much for having me. I know I really didn't get to the heart of the film in my introduction. Really, it is about people reclaiming not only their past, but also their future in, in some sense. Tell us a little bit about how this uh, documentary gather came about. Well, the, the, from, from a cinematic standpoint, the film is very much character driven. And the, the topic is pretty deep. The, the history of food systems on Turtle Island, North America, the effect of colonization on those food systems and how the US government destroyed Native American food systems as a tactic to subjugate them. But more importantly, the film focuses on the rise of that movement right now across tribal land, across Indian country in North America. We follow an amazing chef who left the French culinary uh, world and came back to his reservation in Arizona. His name is Nephi Craig, and he endeavored to build a a cafe, a high-end cafe with indigenous foods to use those foods to heal. Now, what does that mean? The movie really is about food systems as a way to heal. The US government destroyed food systems in Indian country, destroyed the buffalo, burnt cornfields, destroyed river systems, effectively allowed the kidnapping of Native American kids to be put into boarding school where they were stripped of their language and of their ancestral history. And so there is a deep sense of loss in a lot of tribal communities and a way to repair that the ill health that the Western system has uh, reduced uh, native food systems to, and the kind of psychological damage of this onslaught from institutions is to reconnect people to the land and to those foods and to all the ceremonies and traditions around those foods. And that's the heart of the movie Gather. There's some things in this film that in Gather that I didn't know. Uh, One of them is just as you described sort of how the how the white settlers Europeans decimated their their culture and their civilization killing 60 million buffalo in the process in order to basically starve there's a photo in the film of someone a pile of the carcasses of the buffalo before we start talking about that in relation to to the Indian culture I remember this 
period of history being described as settling the West. I'm going to go back to my own grammar school days and my the history lessons that I learned. Settling the West, and it was it was presented as almost like it was sport that there were so many buffalo that they were just putting people on railroad cars and having them, you know, go across the West slaughtering these animals because there were too many of them. That's how I remember it being presented to me. And that is, so that distortion of history is what this film be, begins to address in some ways. Yeah, in, in, in a nutshell, there's, a, there's a, a, a real political reality where, you know, the Louisiana Purchase was purchased by the US government as a permanent reservation for the Native American tribes that were effectively forcibly displaced from the East Coast. You know, the, the main economy until the 1870s in the United States was agricultural. That was it. It was gigantic cash crops, um, tobacco, cotton, required land, required bodies, of course. And then, you know, as those crops began to deplete the soil, there was a push to move westward. Now, we learned about the, the battle between slaveholders and abolitionists when the U.S. began pushing into new territories to make them new states. Would they be slaveholder states or would they be free states? Now, there was a reason for them to be slaveholder states from an economic standpoint. They were going to be part of the gigantic farm economy. And that was the argument. It was not so much a human rights argument, but that the entire American economy was built on massive agriculture on land with completely subsidized labor. So that said, as immigrants began flooding in from Europe in the 1840s, 50s, 60s, and 70s, there really wasn't enough room for them economically on the East Coast. Because again, it's like you could only really eke out your living agriculturally. And so there was a push West. There was supposed to be a permanent boundary on the Mississippi River, but you know, desperate settlers would cross that and set up little homesteads. Now that was on tribal land given to natives and there were skirmishes, you know, natives land was effectively being stolen against the, the rights of the treaties. But then cutting to your point, after the civil war, basically the, the US government realized there was, there was no way to enforce the Mississippi River boundary. And that this continual flood of American immigrants, land-based workers were going to need more land and they had to push westward. But the tribes there were incredibly powerful militarily and the US army was decimated after the civil war. And so there were actually discussions on the Senate floor about how killing one Buffalo would effectively kill two Indians. I mean, Buffalo were that much of a food source. And so, there was a policy to just destroy the buffalo. Buffalo also weren't very conducive to planting corn or planting wheat, which the new settlers were doing en masse. But the tragedy from an environmental standpoint was that the Great Plains were the third largest carbon sink in the world. And they completely evolved and revolved around the movements of buffalo and the movements of Native Americans. And when you took those two elements out of the space, 30 years later, there was a catastrophic collapse. There was the Dust Bowl. You know, that would have never been conceivable 50 years earlier when you had grasslands stretching for 1,500 miles and prairie grasses five, six feet tall. There was so much life there that was destroyed by the farming economy. And today, we're suffering because of it. It wasn't just the removal of the buffalo, but it was the removal of natives who effectively stewarded this incredible ecosystem. 
Yeah, thank you. Again, thank you for that answer because there's just so much there that you just described. We, we focus on little pockets of um, tribal communities in the United States. And people might ask like, why should I care? But this is a reason to care. We focus, for example, on a group of young men on the Klamath River, the border of Oregon and California, um, massive river system that was dammed by four successive dams to divert a lot of water to farming communities in Central California and in Southeastern uh, Oregon to the detriment of massive salmon, salmon populations that again affect the health of animals in the forest that depend on the salmon that again affect the health of forests and create kind of unmanageable wildfire situations. And so if that river became healthy, that massive ecosystem that basically encompasses Mount Shasta West uh, would become much healthier. Central California would be forced to use water a lot more effectively, a lot more efficiently. Southern California would also have to use water more effectively, which is better for the state in the long term. Now, after 20 years of protesting and fighting, Last week, Governor Newsom, the governor of Oregon and Pacific Energy Corporation, which owns the four dams on the Klamath River, agreed to what's now going to be the largest dam removal project in the United States. First of all, those dams were aging, they were broken, they weren't producing hydroelectric power in the same ways that they used to. They were costing a lot of money to operate and they were destroying a massive section of California wilderness and California's water system. And so it's because of the work of these small native communities that the rest of the state is ultimately going to benefit. And this is the case in most tribal communities around the US. Indians are pretty much the canaries in the coal mine. It's like what's happening to them right now is going to happen to the rest of us if it already hasn't happened. I do remember, if I'm not mistaken, I think Governor Brown signed something as he was walking out the door related to the the Klamath, as I recall, yeah, is that that's right? Yeah. And, it, and it was held up in federal court because I believe Pacific Energy Corporation didn't like the the terms and the costs that it that it was going to incur. So they finally agreed to a different set of terms after this went through the California legislature and the Oregon legislature and had sign offs uh, some ten years ago. As you mentioned, Native Americans are the canaries in the coal mine and how, as you described, the the decades and decades of abuse and genocide that they've endured. But there is hopefully, and as we see in the film, gather uh, an increasing number of people within their communities who understand the importance of reclaiming what they have and what they hope to have in the future as well. We mentioned uh, Nephi Craig as well as Twila Casador and others. Talk a little bit about this, the, this return, if you will, or this reclaiming. Gather focuses on a small set of characters, you know, Chef Nephi Craig, a forager near him on the San Carlos Apache Reservation in Southern Arizona named Twila Casador, a farmer on the White Mountain Apache Reservation named Clayton Harvey, and then the boys on the Yurok Reservation and a young Lakota high school student, now college student, in South Dakota named Elsie Dubray. Now these seem like grassroots characters kind of just found on the ground. They dress humbly, they live simply, but that kind of belies the deep respect that people have for them within their communities. 
And with that respect, they've really built a strong reputation amongst the hundreds of Native Americans that are entrenched in the food sovereignty movement. And, you know, you can see their work in the film. You can see the work they're doing for their communities and how in their own lives, food has been an avenue for healing. Now, I'm obviously not a Native American person and I grew up in the U.S. The interesting thing for all of us non-Native folks is that you know, 100, 200, 300 years ago, we were native to some place. You know, it wasn't until the 14, 1500s that human beings would move and travel thousands of miles away from their ancestral lands. And what does that mean? It means that your ancestors, my ancestors, developed their genetic strength based on their ability to eat the foods in their environment. I mean, if you were born north of the Arctic Circle and your liver couldn't process a lot of fats, you died and you didn't pass on your genetic material. So our genetic strength comes from thousands of years of our ancestors really developing relationships with plants, with animals, with medicines in very specific environments. But those of us now who live in a completely topsy-turvy world turned upside down by this globalized farming system, we all eat the same stuff. We all eat the mescaline lettuce. We all eat the cherry tomatoes. We all eat the grass-fed, farm-raised, pasture-raised chickens, beef, things like that, that our ancestors might not have ever put put in their mouth. And at the same time, we've lost a lot of the food traditions that made us strong, the fermentation techniques, the grains that our ancestors ate. And so this movement in Indian country to revive a hyper-local food system that's so genetically specific to the people that live there and that's so regenerative for the environment because people literally rely on the land as their grocery store. And if they besmirch that land in a week, two weeks, a month, two months, they're not going to be able to get food from it. And there are so many lessons for the rest of us who think or rely on our food coming from a store. We see this in the film gather, how important it is for them, as you all for all the reasons you described. I want to go back to one thing we mentioned earlier in our conversation, the dust bowl. There are dust bowls occurring all over the world now. And and it is so critically important that we understand that this is a direct result of us, human beings, whether it was by overpopulation, whether it was by farming techniques, whatever it was and how genuinely important it is to our very survival that we figure this out. And going back to Gather and the people that we see in the film, how important they are. And not only what we see in Gather about their food production, but these are the same people who are very active in making sure that our public lands are not taken from us. They're very active in so many things that are our future. We have got to figure this out. We have to figure out how we're going to take care of the planet because we're not doing a very good job. Yeah, I mean, for, for those of us who aren't indigenous, it's so easy for us, I mean, relatively, to just say, hey, you know, I live in New York now, but God, would it be wonderful if I lived in Portland? Wouldn't it be wonderful if I, if I lived in Venice for a couple of years and just enjoy it out there? And so we never really place our roots in a community. And, and because our communities are so transitory as well, like we don't really get to know the people that provide us food, the people that pick up our trash, the people that are so essential yeah. to our way of life. 
But in indigenous communities, they know they're going to be there for hundreds, if not thousands of years more. And if we develop that same attitude of being stewards to our communities, even if we were going to be in them just for a year or five years or one generation, I think we would begin to see this radical transformation. You know, it's not so much a top-down policy thing or something that's got to be driven by the Sierra Club. It comes from recognizing what our environments are and how special other people think their environments are as well. It's wonderful, wonderful film. Congratulations on Gather, the uh, the film. People could go to the website, Gather Period Film. We'll take them to the website. And from there, there are stories that you can read about, resources that you can draw upon if you want to go further and understand what's happening, as well as how you can watch it. It is available, I believe, right now on iTunes, Amazon, and Vimeo On Demand. Anything else in terms of just uh, how people can get involved or find out more? Is gather.film a good place to start? Yeah, and on Instagram, we are at gatherfilm. Okay, great. At, okay, on Instagram. You also have a Facebook page, I believe, uh, uh, at Gather Film Project. So those those are two other resources. Well, Sanjay Rawal, thank you very, very much for the film. Thank you so much for your time today in, in describing what is absolutely critically important to our future. Thank you so much for your time, Mike. I'm grateful to be on your show. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Thank you.